And once again, we are back. This is Moving Forward with Young Voices on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Happy to welcome Caleb Ashley back to the program. Caleb, uh, first of all, Merry Christmas. And happy holidays to you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. So uh, for, for people who are getting to, to meet you for the first time, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely. I am a um, content specialist. I live and work in Alexandria, Virginia, and I'm really excited to be here today and hopefully get a chance to talk about the Olympics and about China. Okay, I'll admit, I have put the Olympics kind of on the back burner, but it's it's a big deal, and the Olympics are taking place in China. But talk to me about the uh, or talk to me about the Olympic collaboration with the Chinese Communist Party. I'm looking at your article from the OC Register. I was not even aware of this, but the more I read, the more I feel my blood pressure starting to tick upwards. Right. I think people I, I think it's easy to just assume that sports and politics are completely separate and just try to keep them separate. But this isn't the case. Um, what I begin by talking about is the Chinese tennis star Prong Shui. She accused a senior Chinese official of committing sexual assault. And then she basically got disappeared. Um, she has reappeared in recent weeks, has basically said that, no, she didn't actually say that. But there's a lot of reasons to believe that she's being manipulated and used by the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and what I talk about in the article is I use that as a launching off point and talk about how the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, has collaborated with the Chinese Communist Party, has downplayed what's happening in China, downplayed the abuses, downplayed the concentration camps, and how a lot of American companies have done the same thing. I talk about Apple, talk about Coke, talk about Procter & Gamble, and talk about how these companies have been investing money in China and have had these domestic campaigns about social justice, about doing the right thing, and at the same time, some of them are paying for slave labor in China, some of them are helping China cover up abuses, and I kind of talk about the hypocrisy and how we need these businesses need to do something, need to disinvest from China and take a stand against really what's wrong. You know, I now that you mention these things, I'm starting to recall, I, you know, I have seen some headlines in the last year or so um, and things having to do with Disney towing the line. You know, I, we don't want to embarrass China. We don't want to do anything to upset the Chinese Communist Party. Same thing with um, uh, the NBA of all things, you know, where, where does this partnership with China come from? I think it comes. So I think it goes back to honestly, the eighties or nineties, it goes back to when China decided to modernize their economy and what China has, but no other nation really has is just so many people. It's such a big open market. And when it started to have free market policies on the economic level, a lot of American businesses and a lot of American politicians thought to themselves, we can make China like America, by letting them into these trade agreements by investing in China, by spending money in China. And what's ended up happening is that instead of making China like America, we've had a bunch of companies, a bunch of private businesses that have given in to China that have basically set up shop there and are making money, but are just overlooking all this abuse that's still happening. And Xi Jinping has been pursuing a very aggressive strategy where he's trying to bring back into China as much of production as he can. He really wants to have it be China-focused for Road and Belt lots of different initiatives that are geared towards achieving that end. And you've seen that in recent years. You talked about Disney. Um, there's been other stories about copyright being snatched by the Chinese government from private companies. And that's continuing to happen. But these companies are making a lot of money right now in the short term. So they continue building and investing in China because they're making money. So I think you're coming back to your question. It's ultimately about profit. It's ultimately about short-term profit. And in my opinion, they're not thinking enough about the long-term consequences 
because what's ultimately, I think, in my opinion, is going to happen is that China's going to steal their patents, steal their factories, steal whatever, and basically kick them out. It's surprising. And right now, that's not happening because they're building up the resources, building up the ability to do that. But I think that's what ultimately will happen. You point this out in, in your article. Uh, it, it's surprising how many uh, American corporations are, uh, you know, pardon the phrase, essentially climbing into bed with China. Obviously, right. you know, they, they see this affecting their bottom line. But I'm, I'm starting to have a little crisis of faith in these American corporations because it seems a lot of them have been on board with, you know, various mandates coming down from our own federal government. And so um, it's, it's a little bit concerning. It seems like they're getting much cozier with authoritarianism either there or here than, than I would like them to be. I think, I think, I think, yeah, it's, that's when I look at an American company that is really invested in America in like campaigning against these laws, campaigning against, for example, um, Coke and the Georgia voting law, they spent a lot of money, resources, a lot of public statements about that law. And then you see Coke turn around and basically let China do whatever they want, use slave labor, do stuff that is objectively worse than any piece of voting legislation that was passed. And you see these companies that are cozying up to both the government in America and the Chinese government. And it's what you're saying. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It is hypocrisy. And it's about them thinking of this as a way to make money. So they're playing nice with the domestic government in America and also trying to play nice with the Chinese government. And I think that's ultimately going to backfire and blow up in their faces. Let's talk about the International Olympic Committee. It's been it's been almost 20 years since uh, I was living in Utah and uh, the Winter Olympics came to Salt Lake City. And I remember there was controversy then that uh, the IOC was, can we say, morally flexible <laughs> in how yeah. it went about selecting who would be, you know, the the host nations or the host cities. Um, uh, apparently, that's that's a problem that continues or a concern that continues. I think the issue with the IOC right now is that you saw this in Utah where the Olympics were basically bleeding money and were going to be a big old boondoggle until Mitt Romney came in and at least like kind of savaged things somewhat. And you've seen that continue after that, especially I think the two examples I talk about and are probably the most egregious are 2016 in Rio and then the most, most recent Olympics in Tokyo, where in both cases it cost more. It, they didn't make as much money as they paid building stadiums paying for all the stuff that you need, all the infrastructure, they lost money. And a lot of countries just don't want the hassle, don't want to have to pay all that money and then not make profit. And if you look at Rio, you're going to see all these empty stadiums that are basically rusted over in five or six years and that have not been used. But, and it's just, it's not a worthwhile investment to most countries. Like this happened in Boston, where Boston basically said, no, we don't want the Olympics. And the IOC needs to have somebody to host because otherwise the Olympics can't happen. And China right now wants to host because hosting the Olympics gives them prestige, allows them to show off. If you go back and look at 2008, you see that they really invested heavily in the um, stuff around the games. You had ceremonies. You had a really impressive display of Chinese power. And that's what they kind of want to do with the Olympics. They want to message that we are so powerful, we are so big. And having the Olympics allows them to do that. Caleb, what would it take for American corporations to rethink their sponsorships with the Olympics or to rethink their their partnership with China? Um, I'm not calling for a legislative or, you know, you know, government ought to force them to do this. But what would it take to get them to to rethink that? I'm with you as well. I don't think the best way to do this by any means is to have the government pass a piece of legislation and make anybody do something. I think what will make companies act is free market incentives and the incentives point towards getting out of China. It's if you look at the law, if you look at the next decade, next five to 10 years, I think these businesses will begin to see 
that for more of an invest in China, the, uh, the risk amount that they're taking in goes up and up because it becomes more and more, more likely that China will snatch their products, their facilities, what have you. So I think what's going what, what's to have to happen is we're going to continue to have to talk about this and make sure that we get this message out there about what China is doing. And then I think we're also going to see companies react to what China does. If China continues to get more and more aggressive, which is what they seem to be doing right now, I think the companies will hopefully start to realize that this will not end well and decide to get out. I think, at least in some cases, some of these companies are going to have to be bit a little bit by something that happens in China, that they won't get out until they actually see consequences for staying in, which is I wish that wouldn't have to be the case, but I do think that's going to have to happen, at least in some cases. And I think you've seen this a little bit where you have some companies talking about diversifying their supply chains, building in other nations, whether or not it's America, Vietnam, somewhere else. And I think that's progress, but I don't think we're making enough of that yet. And hopefully that will continue to accelerate in the next couple of years. Okay. We are unfortunately up against the clock. We're talking with Caleb Ashley, who is a Young Voices contributor. And Caleb, where can people follow your writing? How can they connect with you on social media? Definitely. I'd say check out my Twitter at cashley 15 I try to tweet about what I'm writing and just hopefully keep people in the loop. Okay. Keep up the good work. Like I say, I I recently started following you on Twitter, and uh, I find you have some really great insights. And, you know, people may think Twitter's just for arguing, but no, you'll find some gems like Caleb here who will keep you informed. Have a great uh, Christmas and a happy new year. You too. Thank you, Brian. 